It's Brian, your lunatic friend. And right now, I'm halfway through my own story in the making of my first Christmas album, Christmas is Jesus. And it turns out that producer Dan Postema and I had different visions about what was going to happen on this record. I was just thinking a quality band and background singers doing Christmas music, not unlike the style of music I'd been doing for the last couple of records. I picked most of the songs that I wanted to sing, and half of the songs on this record were songs I used to sing as a kid back when my dad used to take us all Christmas caroling. That was back when you could wander around around a neighborhood and knock on doors without uh, calling first. The popular Christmas carols at the time were Away in a Manger, The First Noel, and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We'd always open with Joy to the World, but I didn't want to do that song on this record because now I always think of Three Dog Night. Uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, so that song was out. I picked What Child Is This because it was more contemplative, sounded like something I might have written, but I had no idea that Dan might have grown up in a liturgical background. I think he might have been an Episcopalian, and he wanted to take these songs what I call high church. You know, with huge choirs and high ceilings that give it that heavenly host sound. And he also wanted to do a mashup in a way that nobody had done before. I had no idea that he had picked Tom Howard to do the big production stuff with him. I think Tom still lived on the West Coast at the time, hung out with Larry Norman and Randy Stonehill. I saw him live once. He was kind of mellow, soft-spoken, played the piano. And well enough that I wanted him to do the intro section for I Heard the Bell. But I'd never thought of him as an orchestrator. He would use the prestigious Nashville strings for this project, but every time I would see him, it seemed like he hung out with an edgy crowd. Rockers, mostly. Not violin players. Guys I thought were on the fringe of Christian music. Pragmatic types with an antagonistic faith. But Tom and Dan had decided to couple a couple of my favorite songs with a couple of songs that I never heard before because I grew up in low-class church. So with the help of Robbie Buchanan on arrangements, they took Away in a Manger and tied it to a song that goes, Oh, Come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in this song for thee. Or something like that. But it was not a song that we ever sang in my church. But when they hired the Hollywood Presbyterian Choir to sing on this one and the next two, it was bigger than life. But I have to admit, the first time I heard the choir opening the song, What Child Is This? With another song that I never heard in my church. What wondrous love is this, oh my soul. Certainly didn't sound like the Christian crowd that I hung out with. It made me nervous, mostly because I was was worried about pulling that stuff off live because it wasn't an audience that I'd ever played for. Maybe they were trying to introduce me to other types of church people. But when we started the first Noel, I knew it was something that all the church people knew. And it sounded like something I might sing, uh, if I had a full orchestra. But the really cool stuff with just a band started with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I think this was the first time I heard Greg Bissonette on drums. That guy was so good that some of the stuff he did on this record had to be programmed for a live setting because we couldn't find a drummer that could play what he did. If you want an example, listen to the hi-hat on Angels We Have Heard on High. He's playing the whole drum kit and doing the hi-hat like that. We had to program it because he had a technique that regular drummers couldn't find, but there was no programming for some of the high notes I hit in these songs, and I surely didn't think I'd have to hit those notes 20 years later either. Now there's a few songs that I try to avoid because uh, if I hit the high notes, I might throw my back out. But Hark the Herald Angels isn't one of them, and neither is Angels We Have Heard on High. It's almost a sing-along song. Song, except for that big long phrase where you better have grasped a lot of air before you start. <gasps> Glow. 
Now, I've played with a lot of great bass players in my time, but there was nobody better than the guy that played on this record, Neil Steubenhaus. And I remembered his name because the first time I heard him play, I called him Neil Stupid Good. I put him in the top bass players of all time. Plays with a subtle finesse that you don't hear from bass players. But unless you're a bass player, you probably wouldn't notice what he was doing. He could read music on the fly and play the thing like he had been playing it his whole life. And I only have one word for his work, tasty. And one of the tastiest tracks with just the band is on Angels We have heard on high where guitarist dan huff takes the lead and drives that song home in this song the track sounded so good that i felt like my vocal was the weak link i was just kind of singing it straight but there was a long vamp on that song and at the end i was starting to just riff with lyrics and i remember the last thing i sang before the song ended was angels and dan postema liked it so much that he cut it off the end of the song and stuck it on the front and that my friends is an example of the first you'll be last and the last you'll be first in the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of Christmas songs with angels in it. I used to get a Hark the Herald Angels Sing mixed up with Angels We Have Heard on High, and the angels were always singing to the shepherds. I remember doing those Christmas plays when I was a kid, and for the longest time, I always thought shepherds uh, wore bathrobes, and they would always pick the girls to be the angels, and I never once played Jesus. But even at an early age, I still knew that Jesus didn't just come for the shepherds, and not everybody went to church at Christmas. That's why I wanted to do at least one heat standard Christmas song. And I picked one of my favorites. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Nip frosting on your nose. I like that song without ever having seen a chestnut. Yeah, a lot of people thought I sounded like Mel Torme. He was the guy that I first heard sing that song. But I'd also heard Amy Grant sing a song I'll be home for Christmas. And I think it was the best I've ever heard her voice. So I wanted to do a vocal that sounded that good. And to this day, I think this is the best my voice ever sounded on record. And it might be because we hired the world-class Umberto Gatica to engineer the project. One of his secrets to recording a great vocal was that he used three different equalizers for low range, mid range, and high because he got perfect sounds in one register on different pieces of equipment. So whatever he did, I sounded as good as Mel Torme or Amy Grant. Now after talking about all the songs that we did on this record and the way we did them, you might imagine the kind of money we spent recording at Capitol Records and back in Nashville using a full orchestra and 120 voice choir, hiring the best musicians and singers. Now, I wasn't in charge of this budget, but I kind of calculated that it was probably about $120,000. And I would tour this project for the next five years, and we would travel light by air, just me and an engineer, and send a music director ahead of us. We played mostly big churches in big cities that could accommodate an orchestra and a choir that size and real good musicians. And we would bring a simple backdrop that filled three duffel bags that we would check on the plane. And that wouldn't be cheap nowadays, including the setup stuff. It was actually pretty cheap back then. It was a simple curtain with a picture of the Christ child in the background. The photo shoot probably took a half a day in somebody's garage. It was just me in front of an undecorated Christmas tree. And then they added a yellow hue to my face that I always thought made me look a little jauntous. It never felt like a big time tour until you got on stage with all those people. To this day, Christmas and Jesus is probably the longest standing record I've ever done. After 30 years, people say they still play this one first at Christmas.
This record still has a five-star rating on Amazon and iTunes and Spotify and all the other people who've stole music from the people who made it. It's a slap in the face when I hear a commercial that says, we'll give you 6,000 free songs for a subscription to our app. And I'm not sure I even got royalties from this record because they weren't my songs, except for that one. And that might be why I'm doing a podcast on my back patio now. Don't get me wrong, I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to do bigger things. But after the COVID pandemic and such, I think most musicians are living on nutshells these days. I'm still doing things that I love. And you can think of NutshellSermons.com as your early Christmas gift. And I'm still here because you are. And thanks for supporting what you believe in.